Good morning and really good to be here. And for those who can't be here, so sorry. <laughs> um, I, hope you, I hope everyone's doing well. This has, it's, it's been a strange nine months in the sense of, I know many people have thought we'd be out of it by this point, and it seems we're deeper into it than, than we have been. And yet, and yet what, I, what I have found for myself is my, the stability for me in my life has been my closeness with Jesus. That's been my stability. And I pray that for you as well. I pray you have found that Jesus has been present with you during this time and continues to be present with you. So from there, um, we're in a series right now, of course, focused on Advent. And the, you know, when you look at Advent and when you look at the time we are in right now, we enti- we've entitled this, When Things Don't Make Sense, <laughs> We Wait. And we are in a time of things not necessarily making sense. And so we're looking at the whole aspect of waiting for the coming of the Messiah, along with the birth of the Messiah, from a place of, does it really make sense? Because the story can become a bit of a cliche in the sense it loses its impact on us because we hear it every year. And if you watch the Charlie Brown Christmas special, you hear, you know, and we hear those passages all the time and they don't have that same impact. Uh, but it's actually very impactful and it's very meaningful to us. And so we're, we're taking it from that place of when things don't make sense. And so let's start from there. So from there, uh, I have a question for you. And the question would be, have you ever, have you ever had expectations about someone you haven't met before, what, they're going to, what it's going to be like to meet them, or a place you haven't been before, what that's going to be like when you get there, when you arrive, or even an event you're going to. Maybe it's a concert or a movie you're going to see, and you have these expectations, and then when your expectations collide with the reality, it's like, wow, that's not what I was expecting. And that can be both good and it could also be the not so good. So, you know, you meet somebody and you go, man, what if, oh, we so connected. It was so great. And, you know, that, it's that your expectations are just like you underestimated what it was going to be like. And, or the other way around, you could, you know, go see, you know, anticipating a great concert you're going to go see and falls flat. Right, we have those the expectations and the reality. They just don't. They seem to not jive together. A couple of years ago, um, God jolted me with an expectation that I was carrying around that I had no idea I was carrying around. And here, here's what happened. So I was going to meet a, be meeting a person in a cafe to have a chit chat, and I walked. I was I was there ahead of time, so I went into the cafe, and there was no one there except for the person serving the coffee, and it was, it was quiet. So I, I went, ordered my coffee, and sat down. And being a people watcher, you know, I you know I, I watch people, and I was watching the barista as they uh, were doing their thing behind the counter, and I'm watching this guy. He'd be about like in his early 30s, uh, you know, average build. He was quiet. He was bald. Nothing wrong with bald. (laughs) 
but he was bald and he was, um, and, and his clothing was just very uh, plain looking clothing, right? And the word that kept coming to me about as I watched him was, this guy is very unassuming, right? Like he's one of those people that could just blend in and he'd go unnoticed, right? It was just this thing that was going through my mind. And while I'm watching, I have this question that comes to mind, be it you can say I heard a voice or it was just this question that popped into my mind. And because it was a question, I knew it was a Jesus question. And the question was, what if that's me, Scott? <laughs> and, and my immediate internal response was, well, you wouldn't look like that, would you? You wouldn't, you wouldn't be like that, would you? And it just my response jolted me. And then I heard, I just sensed, and if I did, would that be okay? Would you still love me and follow me? And I didn't answer right away. That was the scary part. I didn't answer. And the reason I didn't answer was because I knew this was a Jesus question coming at me. <laughs> and, and I knew what the right answer was. God doesn't want to hear the right answer because God's going after what's in your heart. And I heard what I heard, what, what followed up from that was the question of what exactly do you worship and love, Scott? Is it me or your expectation of what I should be? That's the question that was left with. And then my guest came in, or the person I was meeting with, they came in and, and we went, but that question lingered with me. And it still lingers with me today, but it, it, it was like front and center for like a few weeks. When we hear the word royalty, and of course us being Canadians, uh, part of the British Commonwealth, uh, we hear royalty, we know who we, we think of, right? The Queen Elizabeth and the, the British royal family there. And we, so maybe what pops into your mind when you hear that word royalty is, oh, maybe you, hear, maybe you see beauty or good looks or strong or polished, majestic, riches, gold, whatever, whatever images come to your mind. Because when you hear the word royalty, you expect greatness, there's expectations we have, right? And um, you, you know, when you have men or women who are running for political office, uh, we have expectations. We want them to be polished. We want them maybe to be financially uh, stable. We want, or you know, rich maybe. We want them to be uh, intelligent, articulate. You know, we have these high expectations on them. And the, their campaign team actually goes to great lengths to create a particular image because the image means everything. And the last thing they want is for the person who's running to be unassuming. That's the last thing they want for that person, right? Because that would not be good. That's not what they want because marketing is everything, right? How that gets presented. Now let's consider the people of Israel who are waiting for the Messiah to come. And it's not just they had been waiting for a few weeks or a few months. 
It had been centuries. It had been forever what it must have felt like for them. And while they were waiting, there was kings that came and kings that went. Kings that came and kings that went. And of course, the notable ones that we talk about a lot are could be King Saul, who was tall and good-looking and uh, clearly a leader. There was David, who was also leader, but also a warrior type, um, very courageous and brave. And then you had his son Solomon. Solomon was known as being very wise, but also the one who built the beautiful temple and all, obviously his palace. And with Solomon, uh, he oozed with riches and he had women galore, right? I forget all the numbers, but it's just like... Like, it's unbelievable, and that's, that's the image that the people would have had. As a, that's what the expectations the people would have had as uh, what, what a king would be. And so the Messiah, the king of kings, naturally would be greater than the other kings, would he not? Would that, would that Messiah not be? Of course, because our expectation of that is that the Messiah would be much. Because remember, marketing is everything until Jesus comes along. And Jesus being everything, a king was not supposed to be. Not supposed to be. One of the notable distinctives of Jesus' coming was his unassuming entrance into our world. He did not come like Superman out of the sky and landing gracefully on the pavement in the midst of chaos in our world and bringing peace and order, (laughs) right? He came just like everybody else, just like a baby, right? He came as a baby, but worse than that, or better than that, however you want to look at it, He came into parents, not who were rich and well-off, they were poor. Worse than that, he was illegitimate. So here's your king, folks, poor and illegitimate. How do you market that now? (laughs) This is your king. But that's what happened. That was the reality. Wasn't the greatest starting place. And even the events that surrounded Jesus' birth, Bethlehem, spoke of impoverishment. They couldn't find a place for Jesus to, to be born. There was no place. The only place they could find was within the various towns and cities at that time. There'd be a wall for protection. And in that wall, the cities would provide these little niches where you could park your animal. <laughs> Now, in our nativity scenes, we dress it up and make it look like a nice pretty barn. It looks nice and rustic and quaint. Not quaint at all. These were just places for people who were traveling through, staying overnight to put their animals in there. This is the place that Jesus was born. Pure impoverishment, right? And the manger itself, now we, we usually dress up a nice little manger, right? Nice wood, hay, straw in there, and it looks, looks not too bad. And it wasn't. The manger was simply carved out of, it was just a place carved out of the wall. And there was nothing nice to it at all. Now, if you think life got better, looked look better for, for Jesus, 
No, because even when Jesus started his ministry, what they figure around age 30, his street address, it would have read NFA, no fixed address, right? Because the guy couch surfed, right? He slept where he could, you know, whoever would have him. This was your king, no fixed address. And this was just the way he was, the king of Israel. And then you understand then why the religious leaders and the scholars, the, the, the upper class of the Jewish people, why they were not only disgusted that Jesus could be Messiah, but it was, they were in complete disbelief. Why? Because this wasn't at all what they had expected. Not at all, right? It's not what they would have taught their students in the Torah classes, right? Of what the Messiah would be like. Because Jesus didn't fit their expectation. Not at all. For them, it would have been, so what that you do miracles, There is nothing else about you that even comes remotely close to being what a Messiah should be. And they dismissed him. So we have to ask the question, you and I have to ask the question then, of why come into this world like someone entering through the side door of the servants' quarters? Why? Bad marketing, right? Like, what's, what is this all about? And the answer, to discover the answer to this, we have to go back and remind ourselves of what God's mission, the mission that God is on. And Krista mentioned it in the song when, when she led us in, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. God is about rescuing people to bring his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven, to show us what it means to really live what life is meant to be, real life. And I think we need to change the question of why did you come in poverty? And a better question would be, what is your entrance saying to us? What is that saying to us? What you see in the birth is the beginning of the big rescue of humanity. And this was actually prophesied in the Old Testament. God spoke through one of the prophets about this. And the scholars missed it. And sometimes we miss it too because of our expectations. But it's found, he spoke through the prophet Isaiah And through Isaiah, this is what God spoke. My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. Now, pay particular attention to the words here. Let's not read so fast. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. 
we turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own, yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. That's what God spoke through Isaiah. Now it goes on, it continues on, but I want to stop there. And what this passage reveals is this ignoble birth that took place of the King of Kings, the beginning of the rescue mission, the beginning of what was beginning to just emerge throughout planet Earth. And Jesus has taken on here, what you see here in the birth is Jesus has taken on the poverty of our world, has taken on our poverty. And if the past year has revealed anything, it has revealed just how impoverished we are as a people. And I'm not talking materially here. I'm talking about it has been exposed just how on the cusp, and this includes the church as well, me as well. How it's almost like we, we are living like fear is right at our door. There's fear of one another, fear of what's going on, and, and it's just sitting there, but just impoverished that we don't even know how to rescue ourselves from this. We don't know how to respond. And if there was ever, if we could probably plunge in the depths of our hearts, there is this call for Messiah to come. Come and rescue us. Come and rescue us right now. And Jesus comes and enters into our sorrows, into our disappointments, and into our pains and tragedies. Whose sorrows weigh him down? Everyone's. My sorrows do. Your sorrows do. Our sorrows weigh him down. He carries them. It has been said that if you want to find Jesus, go towards the pain. Because Jesus is there. Jesus is there. It's why Christine Lakatas, director of our Urban Hope Ministries, and her team, they can tell you story after story of how Jesus encounters some of our people, part of our church, who are walking through immense pain and struggles in their lives. But Jesus is there all the time. Why? Because Jesus carries carries those things that, that break us. That's, that's the whole mission that God is on. I volunteer as an on-call chaplain at our local hospital here. And this past Thursday morning, I got a call because I was on call at the, for uh, every Thursday I'm on call. And I received a call from emergency if I could attend because a man had been brought in with no vital signs. And, uh, the, and his wife, she was there, but she didn't have any family to be with her. And um, just they, the staff wondered if I could come and just, and just help. 
at this point. So I attended, and this lady, just, she just poured out her grief. Just, it just poured out of her. And as I was listening to her, it was just a culmination of so many things. One thing was she had been with her husband, including when they dated, she said, 50 plus years, 50 plus years she had been with him. And it wasn't just that. She described what had been going on in her life for this past year. Put COVID aside for, for right now. It was unbelievable how the, the, tra- the various tragedies and deaths she, she had been walking through and, and struggles she was still dealing with right now. It was just one thing added on top of another. And then it, for her, it was like, this is how I get to end off 2020 with my husband dying like it was just this pain that was that was just coming from her now understand i have myself there's nothing i can offer anyone who's going through this i I can't offer them anything that's going to take away that situation or take away the, the the grieving they're they're going through what i can offer is i can i can pray with them i can read scripture And most importantly, I can listen and I can just be present with them, present in their pain. And on Thursday morning, as I sat with her, all I could do was ask Jesus to come. Would you come and please carry this woman's grieving, the grief she is experiencing right now. And here's the beauty. And and I'm not exaggerating when I say every time, but every time. Jesus is present. He's present every time. And that's the beauty of, of, of who God is. It's the beauty. God's always present in our pain. Always. And I understand as I, as I consider the birth of Jesus and how, from my mind, from my expectations, it might not make sense. I understand Paul's words in his letter to the Corinthians. And this is in 1 Corinthians. But Paul says these words, and in, in, some, in some regards, he is speaking to the birth of Jesus, but the whole, actually the whole uh, rescue mission of humanity, including when Jesus goes to the cross. And Paul says these words. Foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans, and God's weakness is is stronger than the greatest of human strength. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. The unassuming birth of Jesus, it wasn't radical. It wasn't a challenge of the status quo. It wasn't that at all. It was a true kingdom entrance. It was love entering into our world, into our pain, into our sorrows, our disappointments, our questions, our doubts, and carrying those things. 
That's what Jesus does. That's the coming of Jesus, what Jesus does. The impoverished birth of Jesus is the power of God in all its fullness. It is God's power fully on display. You see, the power of Christ isn't Jesus riding in on the big stallion with the sword drawn and crushing, going after, you know, slaying enemies. Jesus doesn't fight violence with violence. Instead, Jesus gives his life for ours. He takes our pain and gives us joy. He takes our brokenness and gives us healing. That's what Jesus does. Jesus is about restoration, about restoring, about wholeness. And the birth of Jesus, the coming of Jesus, that was the beginning of this plan beginning to unfold, to bring humanity to wholeness. And as God's love for the world, not violence that defeats pain and suffering. And it is God's love that brings to life, those things in our life we think are dead. The birth of Jesus is exactly how love enters our world. That's what love does, just what love does. And it is the entrance of a true king. We're going to take time right now, and as we pray, we're going to invite God to come and examine our lives, but also just to come and allow those things that are maybe you identify as pain in your life or as sorrows, disappointments, tragedies, things that, that has just marred or scarred your life. And we're just going to invite the Holy Spirit to come and give those to the Holy Spirit because Jesus comes and carries those things. So, Father, Lord, we just invite you to come. We say, Holy Spirit, would you come right now? And we know you come into our lives, but also into our pains, into our sorrows, into our grieving, into the losses that we have experienced. And you exchange those, Lord, for healing, for life, for wholeness for a purpose. And so, Lord, we just ask you to come right now. Come in those places, Lord, that are just... There's sometimes we just can't carry anymore. And we need you to come. And we so thank you that you see our pain and you're not repelled by it, but you're drawn to it. Because of your love for us, love for each person. And Father, I pray for those who may be watching or listening right now, who, Lord, have not experienced you, have not encountered you, but we all carry this pain. And my prayer, Lord, for them is that today, Lord, they would just open their hearts to you and say, come, Holy Spirit, just come. Come, Jesus. Come be my Lord. Come be my King. And if you've prayed that prayer, first of all, you're on an amazing journey. It's not that life's going to be easier, 
but you're going to have a friend that walks with you, a God that walks with you, that outshines, that, that overpowers any pain or sorrow or suffering you may be going through or will go through. Because he is the God who loves and the God who cares for you. And so if that has been you, I'd love to know if you could email uh, pastors at cvcf.ca. We'd love to hear that story. You could join us on our journey. We're all on this journey, all trying to figure it out. But the one thing we know is that God has us figured out, and it's beautiful. So we bless you. Thank you, Father.